Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Investpodden. You're listening to Investpodden with Ronnie and Ted. And today we've got Ian Lucy here from Lucy Fund in the studio. Pleasure to meet you. Hey, great to have you here, Ian. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All the way from Ireland, what are you doing here in Sweden at the moment? Uh, apart from St. Patrick's Day preparations uh, for Sweden Ireland, we're just over in researching the market, um, taking a look at NASDAQ First North and trying to figure out how to get into get a lot of our shares and startups more tradable. What is Lucy Fund? How did it all begin? Uh, about four or five years old. We've done 130 investments so far. Um, we're very early, very, very early. So normally right at the idea stage. So if somebody has a good idea, we will normally help them build the product and take shares in the business for that. All over the world? or uh, Yes, well, not all over the world. Uh, Europe, we do a lot of stuff um, in Europe, and we do about 20-25% of our business in the east coast of America. We found the West Coast was a bit of a stretch. So. <laughs> Wait, how did they even find you or you find them if, they, um, if it's only on the stage of an idea? We just tour around and give talks to startups and chat. We get about 5,000 applications a year. Um, so it's there's a huge appetite for it. We we kind of refer to a lot of it as the mythical CTO. You, in a lot of the startup communities, you have all these people with great ideas who've never ran a tech company before and they're trying to get themselves a CTO, not realizing that actually there's not really one person who can do all these different things that you need to get your business started. So what we do is essentially just give them our teams. They work for the company and then over the course of the first year, they'll slowly age their way out of the business. But still, you invested, what is it, 115 companies or something? That's a lot of companies. Yeah, it's a lot. And um, we're up to about 130, 140, and we're doing maybe 30 to 50 a year. So some are brilliant, some don't quite work out. Yeah, well, I was thinking that you must have a big team to do this because it's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, We'd have a a lot of staff. It kind of scales depending on how many we're doing a lot of the time. Uh, We'd have a team of people who just sit there and review the startups. And funnily enough, 
stuff, when you kind of, we have a very specific thing that we're looking for, we can review startups quite quickly. The, the more time-consuming bit is to decide, right, we know these guys are a good fit, but do we like their idea, the people? Um, we're always kind of, there's four things we look for in a, in a business. So we're interested in, uh, do you understand your industry? It's amazing good how many point. people, yeah, well, it's amazing how many people start businesses in industries they've never worked in or don't really have a good insight in. Can you sell? So can you tell a good story about your business? Are you able to promote your business? Do you understand the maths behind your business? And then our rude one is we have a no assholes policy. Life's too short to be dealing with something. <laughs> oh my God, I agree. I love 100%. That. Yes. I love that so, one. Yeah. I'm putting that up official on my own list. I oh, like that. Big time. Well, we always say there's only room in a company for one arsehole and we prefer if that's us. <laughs> most of the time, yeah. so, um, so that keeps us, keeps, us, uh, keeps it honest. <laughs> Great. But um, so you said you've invested over 100 companies. Uh, how long have you been doing this? Just four or five years. Years, four, so very years. high tempo. It's very say. fast. Do you yeah, ever sleep? Uh, on occasion, although I was in your hotel for the last two nights, I haven't slept too well in, uh, in my, my Stockholm hotels. Uh, <laughs> won't blame the hotel. But, um, uh, but since you um, you invest both in American companies and European companies, yes. there's a lot of talk about valuation. Do you see mm. a big difference in valuation? Absolutely, yeah. So Please tell because us. Because we started in Ireland, and in Ireland we have a company, we have a government agency called Enterprise Ireland, and they're they they call themselves the third biggest VC in the world. They're more of a government supports uh, business. They actually invest in so many companies, a couple of hundred a year. They've, they have a kind of a valuation system. So in oh. Ireland, they'll give you 50. And in fact, if you want to go to Ireland, if anyone's listening wants to go to Ireland, they'll give you up to 50,000 euros for 10% of your business. So well, not just go for a trip, but move there oh, with move your business. There. Yeah. Move there. Hey, come. Why would you not want to start your business in Ireland? And uh, yeah, they're, it's, they're, they have a lot of interesting incentives. Uh, certainly something I think people should look at. Um, they just move there for a year or will they pull the money back uh, if you No, leave? I think it's only even six to nine months, that kind of stuff. But sure, once you get to Ireland, you're not going to leave. We're adorable people. <laughs> over there, you? Oh. Yeah, especially uh, around St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Our drink is way cheaper than your drink and it's much more fun. Why wouldn't you <laughs> And housing prices? Housing prices are... They're, they're, it, it's competitive. It's competitive. <laughs> yeah, well, we're yes. in Stockholm right now. That's quite expensive. Well, that but, is a problem for yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs. Everything fact is that expensive they, in Stockholm. Yes, yes there's a difference. Yes, it, it is. is it is cheaper living in Ireland. But, but actually, Stockholm. comparing to, I know, Berlin, for instance, one of the things that some people say is that one of the success factors there are, or is the cheap living, or has been. Well, that used to be the case. That used to be the case, yeah. yeah. You see, the problem, I mean, like one of the issues we have in Dublin, Dublin's super popular. Um, and what it's really popular for is we have a, a different government agency called the IDA, and their job is to sell Ireland abroad. And they have done an amazing job at selling Ireland to Silicon Valley tech companies. And now there's a production line. Every one of those companies you hear, like Slack or HubSpot, they all headquarter in Dublin now. So the challenge, and, and what happens is they, they all come in, and the reason they're coming to Ireland is no longer the taxes. It's the fact that they can easily hire people who have worked for Amer other American So they know the culture, yeah. and there's a big yeah. difference, yeah. Like I have a brother-in-law who would have been in HR and Twitter, then Facebook, and now he's the head of people for AdRoll. And that's three companies in a row. Where Wait, wow. did you say AdRoll? AdRoll. 
Yeah. Have the actual pill, no. No, not, a, oh. not Adderall, not Adderall, no. Adderall, they really need to work on their brand. <laughs> we'll blame them and not me for mispronunciation. Uh, although I may, I may have had Adderall earlier, yes. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Adderall, Adderall. I hear no difference. Uh, no, no. <laughs> we're, my we're moving on. Yes. I, heard, I heard Twitter. Okay. I heard Twitter. Yeah, but that's that's the uh, kind of. The, but the, when you talk about um, housing prices and things like that, yes. Dublin, that's the challenge. Is mm. that and and we have a place. We it's called Silicon Docks. Uh, is a part of Dublin, and you've got thousands upon thousands of people working for American tech companies. So if you're an Irish startup, one of the bigger problems is you can't afford to compete for the talent uh, for the amount of wages. That, that must have there. been for a while. I'm thinking that, uh, I mean, all the large companies like Microsoft, IBM and others, they all landed in Dublin for some reason a long time ago. And the, isn't there a competition as well? Or is it, oh, you guys yeah, well, more American? Yeah, they've been there for than, years, yeah. actually. Steve Jobs, the first office Apple opened outside of America was in Cork. And they're still making... Um, they're still making Apple products in Cork. And we'd have, like, for a small enough country of 4 million people, we'd have, Google would have 6,000 people, Microsoft maybe mm. 4,000, HP. Into, so so let me ask that. you, I'm curious about, uh, we talk a lot here in Sweden that in Silicon Valley, you have the ecosystem where you can work for, uh, so you can be a professor, you can start a startup, and then you get you know bought up or you know, acquired by a big company. And then yes. you unemployed for a while and then go back to teaching and whatever and they have an ecosystem working and we don't really have that in Sweden but I'm thinking about your background with all these companies do you see a lot of people flow between you know the big companies the small companies the universities the or? absolute biggest difference between Silicon Valley and our European ecosystems is that if you have an idea and you go to a startup event in Stockholm or in Dublin or in Paris the quality of the critiquing of your idea here is just not as good as it is in Silicon Valley. Really? I would say absolutely. What's the difference? Well, I think here we're all hugging each other and everybody's friends and it's kind of a community-based thing. I heard the exact opposite. No, no, no. You see, I think in Silicon Valley they have achieved so much and their their levels of expectation are they're looking for enormous companies. I think that when you're in a community like that, you're looking to solve much bigger problems. You and always then you're, get the outliers. Yeah. No. Now you get now Stockholm, you know, like you've had fairly decent companies pop out of here as well. They're all right. But if you think about <laughs> but if you think about it like and, and actually in fact you've the likes of Spotify here, right? Mm. And that's a rarity in Europe. Most of the really good tech companies coming out of Europe are B2B products rather than B2C. Yeah. Well, you know? it used to be that in the US as well, up till Facebook, I guess, or... Well, well... There's I, a lot of venture. Yeah. I mean, most of the... The way I understood it is that if you look at the returns, the best returns used to be B2B advanced technologies. Oh, sorry, I still think that's the case. Yeah. I think apart from a couple of the, the huge unicorns that pop up quite no. quickly, I think most of the B2B stuff... Well, we prefer B2B, to be honest, especially from a European investment point of view. I can definitely understand that. Well, it's, it's hard in Europe to access capital super quick. You know, and then you have the challenges of VCs. So I was saying, I, I'm, I'm here for normally. I'm I go around talking. That's how we meet the <laughs> startups. I give talks. This has been very much a research trip for me, and it's because one of my real passions this year is I want to get into tradable shares and startups. So I was looking at a lot of. Uh, we were going to do a VC fund and launch one this year. And we had a bunch of commitments to do a VC fund. And I pulled out of it at the last minute. 
And the re- what we were going to do is because we've all these really early stage ones is we wanted a fund whereby we would do five to six Series A rounds a year in our favourite, best performing startups in our in our portfolio. And we pulled out of it because, well, one, I don't like the VC investment model. Um, you know, somebody, if a private family gives me five million euros, and over ten years I'm going to charge them a million euros of fees, uh, and then if if they if I give them back more than eight, I'll give them twenty percent. And I'm going right. We're all tied in for ten years. I'm tied into ten years to managing your money. You're tied into me. You can't get out of this. Yeah, this and is worse than the marriage. It's worse. Than, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I won't say that publicly. But uh, <laughs> but. But uh, I look at the likes of the crypto coins and I see Ponzi schemes left, right and center and fraud and everything. But at its core, I agree with the ability to buy and sell your the liquidity. Your liquidity. Yeah. So we've been looking around at different models. We looked at Thunderbeam in Estonia, who are one of the first ones to try to do tradable shares and startups. But I, I was over here for uh, because yesterday uh, the first Irish startup floated on the North, on the Nasdaq First North. Woohoo! Uh, yeah. And and you know something, I think it's a brilliant pathway for companies uh, because you, for what you could float there, and you might only be raising the equivalent of a good Series A round, maybe three to four or five million euros worth of money. But you can almost skip the VC round if you want to. And, you know, when a VC comes into your business, they come in with a lot of conditions and they control a lot of what happens to your company. You know, you go into the public market, yeah, you're swimming with the big fish and, you know, you're at the mercy of the public market. But you're a well-funded company and, you know, you've got to stand over your figures uh, and things like that. But I look at it and I see a lot of merits in that. And and as a funding path for some of our startups, there's some we push towards VCs, some push towards private investors. I think the public market suits certain companies that's, really well. That's really interesting. So, going and that's back, sorry, yeah. startups are not thinking about this. Yeah, well, um, actually in Sweden, uh, I've seen here in the Nordics, a lot of the startups didn't have a choice. And, yeah. and I think that's why the system developed so much around that. Because... We didn't have the VCs and, you know, we're a small market, so everyone needs to go global. If you're anything else, or if you're in life science, which Sweden are really good at, or green tech, uh, then that becomes really difficult because who's going to actually fund you all that time? Well, you also as well, though, you're a richer country that have had historical wealth and you have a lot of people who trade in shares. That's right, we because do. Because you have cash, you know what I mean? Mm. So, like in Ireland, we, we um, I think it was about 10 years ago or a bit longer, I think you had the same problem here, our telecom company floated. And before that, only about 3% of the population had a, yeah. had a, a share, had a shares. publicly traded yeah. share. Now that one, like your one, was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> but, um, but, but there is a much bigger... Um, percentage of the population here have have their assets in shares and they're yeah. happy to invest in it. Like, like yesterday, been... yesterday, that company now had a very good percentage of retail investors actively trading those shares. Yeah, we have a big group of retail investors here in Sweden. It was a big thing of getting everyone, get, give them the chance of getting rich. Yes. But coming back to the VC model, I'm a little bit curious about, so except for the, I mean, the long time you need to stay together, obviously. 
and the, the illiquidity. What's what else do you think is wrong or could become better with the VC model? Well, a lot model? of people, a lot of people who like uh, you go to a tech conference and the the VCs are like the messiahs at it, right? And well, we actually, a, most VCs they're ashamed to be VC. They rather be entrepreneurs. They Wait, say that, but that's yeah. they say that. But that's yeah, well, that's what they humble, say. That's okay. a bit of a humble <laughs> brag, right? It's like our look. We go to events, and because we yeah. say we're an investor, you're treated extremely well. You yes. always get an invite to a good party when you go to these things, right? And <laughs> as an Irishman, that's what we appreciate. Most the whole thing is a front for good parties. To be honest with you, right? <laughs> um, yeah, just I'm lacking us, the honesty. Well, yes, just to get us an invite to a good party, right? But um, but what's interesting is the people who are queuing up wanting to get money from VCs don't understand even the most simple way in which VCs work. And a VC fund is normally run on a ten year cycle. So when we were looking to do a fund, we're going right. We're going to collect a pile of cash, we agree the parameters we're going to give it out in, uh, and over five years, we're going to give that money out to the companies we find. Now, in our case, when we were doing it, we were going to do it over three years because we already knew the companies. We didn't have to go look for them. But then you have five years to sell your shares in that business. And that's one of the real challenges that you see is um, the, comp- the VC is always looking to sell. Right, and that doesn't necessarily agree with where you at because, as as we know, some companies just take longer to get going, and it's a good example. In Ireland, we sell a lot of businesses. A lot of good tech companies come out of Ireland, sell for about a hundred million euros, and they're always going. How are we getting stuck that they're not selling out? At a billion, we're not. We don't create unicorns in Ireland, for example, right? And a lot of it is probably because we don't have later stage VCs who buy out the earlier ones. Ah, so, so they get uh, stuck in the the timeline of that early VCs. Yeah, need to be sold within that five year time frame during the harvest period. Yes, and then uh, you know it's just time to be sold, and you're not really there yet. Yeah, and you know it's like it's funny. There was a I won't name them now, but there was there was an Irish company that was sold last year for hundred million. Plus, and they announced a huge deal last week, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, that company has multiplied in value!" And you're looking and you're going, "That VC had to sell, you know." Yet mm. they probably knew that deal was in the works, you know what I mean? And and they could have they could have stayed longer. So it's a challenge for it. Now, if I'm a founder, you have to remember that, you know, fifty percent of founders are fired within eighteen months of a VC coming mm. in. So you know we're an investor the same as everybody else. There's bits we do well, there's bits we do badly, and sometimes the founders don't like to hear the bad news, uh, and sometimes it's just a VC pointing out you're not a very good, you're a great founder, but you weren't our great CEO going forward. So there's a lot of challenges to this, and and I think other funding paths are good, and I think more and more crowdfunding is becoming popular. What about uh, evergreen funds? You get rid of the sort of timeline, and the, the evergreen really means that you can reinvest the money you yeah, sell. There's you keep some the of companies. them, but they're, they're, the, the two types of them are normally like I know you have a huge one here. Um, what's it called? Um, Industry fund, then. Yes, for instance. Yeah, but that's a kind of a government-backed one, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, it was from the beginning. It's yeah. uh, it's still government money, but they're on their own since a long time ago. But there yeah. there's some other evergreen, smaller funds there's, on there's the some, yeah. rounds. Yeah. Yeah, and you get a lot of like when when it's family offices and private kind of funds you'll mm. find there's more of that so like I I like the VC model it, it's worked very well for certain companies 
Well, well, you need the ecosystem, obviously. I, I mean, mean, choice is good. Choice, choice is good. Like, it's interesting. We've been testing now in Ireland. There's more and more crowdfunded debt facilities, you know, crowdfunded yes, loans, um, right? Yeah. And we we always take a couple of our companies and we'll test it out. And it was interesting to see, like, one of our smaller companies picked up 100,000 euros of debt in in less than a couple of weeks of a That's of a interesting. Quick is that and is that convertible debt or just no, regular just debt? Loans. Just, just debt. loans. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny startups a lot of time don't think about debt as yeah. an option, you know. And uh, Well, I would say that's that's the best thing if you if you believe in your idea yeah. and you think it's just going to go upwards and you want to take the full risk for a downside on your own. That this is the, is the best because it's it's the cheapest. You don't have to sell shares. You own yeah. your company, and you get some money to navigate. Um, but if it doesn't work out, though, you need to pay it back somehow. Usually, I'm yes. always, isn't it also depending on who you are? I mean, a deaf will keep someone up at night, and an investor will keep someone else up at night. This it, is the, this is like the German true. Prussian. Uh, Woman and you, Ronya, right? You know, yeah. Well, some people they don't. I mean, they they think that the bank take the risk with them. So when the if you can get away without having to sign your life to it, and and you do your best to make that company survive because it's your baby, and then it doesn't work out, then some people just have the conscience say, "Well, that was bad. Let go to the next one." Well, yeah, but it, we were talking about a personal loan. Oh, okay, yeah, but you can, yes, that's right. Well, personal yes, loan. Yes, your company, start. of course, can borrow money if you have an AB. In but Sweden, I, d- I don't know about Sweden, but in a lot of European countries, there are government, and, and it's funny how startups don't know these type of schemes, right? So I know in the UK and in Ireland, for example, there's government-backed loans. So if you are maybe you, you know, you we don't. have we have in Sweden too, and I'll, I'll just say it so people know. So Almi Fertog's partner here in Sweden, which is a government backed sort of organization. Yeah. They, together with Almi Invest, do what we call Tilväxt Loan, growth loan. I just want to say this in case someone's yeah, yeah. listening to it. But uh, we have those kind of schemes. And this is right. like, uh, these are the ones where like the government pay a guarantee 80% of the loan. So you get a 100,000 euro loan and you get it through one of these schemes. You're only on the hook for 20,000. That's right. That's great. Yeah. So I don't know does that exist up here. Yes, now, it, it does. Yeah. And actually, they I think they even cap it to 50,000 Swedish kronos, which is like uh, 5,000 euros. Fantastic. So it's, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And it gives people, I mean, we forget about this. We talked about this the other day, Ronnie, about the great security we have in Sweden. And still, a lot of Swedes are afraid of taking risk for some reason. Yeah. Well, you know, you're living a good life up there, so <laughs> you don't want to blow it. Well, you, look, I think I think Europeans in general are getting better at embracing risk and failure. You know, I mean, like we're we're in a business, we're in all these companies, and yet, if you look at 500 startups and their metrics, they would tell you that 90 percent of the capital I'm going to get back is going to come from four percent of the startups. Yeah, so out of hundred case, 130 startups. That's Five companies. Think of all the hopes and dreams and everything else of those other 125 people or multiple people, 125 companies. So that brings it back to Lucy Fund. Yes. Um, you invested in a bunch of companies. How big is your team? Um, we have about 50 to 80 at any one time. It would depend on what we're doing. There's a lot of due diligence on. to do. Now for us, you see, we're so early. We're, you see, we're not like a VC. We're not taking 
months to kind of decide are we doing it. We'll decide in a week or less. So, and what I, does it take to get money from you? Well, you see, you no know, assholes. You know, assholes is a very important one. Uh, you see, remember what we're doing is giving you services because our view is you can't. Most companies who are at the really early stage have never done it before. They get caught in a catch twenty two situation, which is the tech investors or the government bodies or whoever you're getting your money from goes, that's a great idea, but you've never built software before, so you can't have any money. And what we're we're not here to write checks for fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or anything like that. We're here to help companies that can't get started to start. And it's funny because afterwards, a lot of them, even the companies we get involved in, they don't appreciate that the, that's the, at its core, that's what we're doing. So we're going, actually, I tell you what, if we give you our staff and we start working for you, we're going to get you moving fast. Right? And once you're moving, it's like building a snowman. You know the way it's hard to start the snowball? Once you start to pick up a bit of momentum, it's actually grand and we can get back out of that company. So what we're really looking for is, what are you missing so what's what's missing? So okay, you're brilliant at sales and marketing, or that's where you've come from before, or actually maybe you're good at tech, but you can't market it. And we're going well. Look, why don't you just take some of these people, and and that's how we do it. So we're not so much writing a check for people as going, we're going to start you, and and we're good at starting businesses. We're not a scaling company. There's other people are better at doing that than us. So you have a bunch of people that works for Lucy Fund, but yes. then there are CTO for one startup. One yeah. week and a CTO for another startup the next week. Exactly. It's a great place to come to work our company. You'll probably if you come to work as maybe a project manager or a developer for us or something like that, you might start five or six companies a year. Wow. That's awesome. Is, yeah, I mean as a learning curve, we've had a lot of ex staff come out after like three years going, I'm bloody exhausted. But <laughs> I, I have started. Yeah, but like like we'd have old CTO we'd have old different CTO like we might have a couple of CTOs or a bunch of development managers, we wouldn't have one in our company, right? And they would have gone what an amazing learning curve. I've just had three years and I've started 20 companies in, in 10 or 12 years. But industries. I've never heard of this before. How did you come up with this model? Um, it was a friend of mine ran the President of Ireland's charity and he came to me looking for a website. And I we didn't really build websites at the time. We were on software company. And uh, and I recommended some people to him. And he came back with a quote for 90,000 euros. I was like, what the hell are you building? That's not a website. And what it was is, I don't know, do you have it here? It's like the Duke of Edinburgh Award. Um, it's it's called the award in a lot of countries, right? But it's, it was started after the Second World War by the Duke of Edinburgh and this German doctor. And it's, it's, all, it's for kids, uh, kind of teenagers. And it's all, they do these four challenges and they get a medal. So the the pre, in Ireland the president gives out the medal, gold, silver, bronze, depending what you did. Awesome. And the guys wanted to automate their background process because the whole thing was done on paper, and they were doing tens of thousands of kids a year. And I was like, "That's the stuff we build." I said, "I can build you that," but I said, "I've sent you to a web agency, and like they're not." They're after saying, yeah, I'll build you that for 90 grand, but it's like they're not software developers in that sense. So it's like, it's actually more expensive. It's going to cost about 150 grand. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll donate it to you. And he said, oh, she's very nice. I said, but I have two conditions if I'm going to do it. And he said, what's that? And I said, number one, I said, you're going to pay me a quarter of the bill in cash. And he says, all right. And I said, the reason for this is not that I want the money. It's that you're a charity and I don't believe you're set up to be a technology business like this. Um, And I said, uh, I want you to have a pain point so that you respect what I do for you. Uh, Because if I give you this and then you go, oh, it's a bit hard, it wasn't working. I was like, there's a lot of change going to happen in your company. 
I said, if you quit, I'll go nuts. But if you spend like 30,000 euros of the charity's money, you're going to make sure this thing works. And he said, look, that's super fair. And he says, look, that's a big donation for us, the rest of it. And if you're ever going to donate, donate to your president's charity. By the way, I met the Queen of England and everything. They're introducing me to everybody, right? And uh, the president, I've had dinner in the president's house and the whole house is great. I heard the Queen of England is pretty fun, actually. Actually, our husband, the Duke, was very nice. (laughs) And uh, I met him, he was lovely. and uh, they, you get invited to everything after, so it really. Do How recommend. do you ever have time to work if you ah, all you sure, do is look, go to that parties? That is work. That is work. <laughs> that, that is, is work. That is work. Sleep. Yeah, exactly. Hanging out with but, the queen, uh, no big. Yeah. Oh, big time. No problem. <laughs> High five there. Fist pump. And uh, they. Um, he said, oh, it's the second condition. I said, the second condition is, I said, we're going to come in and we're going to tell you what to do. Because I said, most people, when they get a new, when they start a company, everyone thinks they're bloody Steve Jobs or Don Draper. All right? Mm-hmm. And I said, they all think they're brilliant at all this and do everything. So I was like, why don't you listen to the experts? Because if oh I'm... Oh my God. Yeah. But that you just said, I'm like, I'm tired of people thinking they're Steve Jobs. But Don Draper, that is so Don correct Draper's for like four companies that I... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And I'm trying to find a word that I'm like, he's an asshole. (laughs) Let's not critique. Let's not critique Don. He's got a lot of favorable aspects to him. For sure. (laughs) But everybody wants him, wants to be him. But in the end of it all, like, is he really a good guy? Yes. Sure. Question. Yeah, but that was just hilarious. And yeah, thank you for that. No problem. No problem. There you go. It's like coming up on the criteria list there. Okay. I do like an old fashioned. He drinks an old fashioned. I had quite a few old fashioned Ah, last night. There you go. I was in the Sky Bar last night in that Radisson drinking drinking, uh, old fashioned. But uh, I, I digress. I digress. Let's not get into the quality of your cocktails there. Um, but uh, no, so he's like, fair enough, let's do that. And we did it for the charity and we give it to them. And what was interesting is that charity is in 150 countries and only two countries had it computerized. And he didn't like the, the software they had. And when we built it, we said, we have a little surprise for you. He's like, what's that? We built it so you can now sell it to the rest of them. And you can earn your money back by licensing your tech to all the rest of them and put it in the cloud for them. So we gave it to them and sure enough, without being ages, they were all kind of bad at tech and everything. And we were like, you're going to have to hire a project manager or somebody to manage this. And, and they really struggled for a couple of years as a business because they just didn't know how to run the tech. But we were looking at it and I was involved in the startup community and I was like, what's different to that charity than most of the people starting these tech companies? They're all looking for help. They don't know what to pick. And uh, and, I, and I look at it and I go, that's, that's, that's we can help here. And what's been a big challenge for us, I'll give you some stats, is 58% of the companies have a single founder. Right? So yeah, a lot that's of difficult, the, yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But a lot of the companies get rejected for finance because there's only one person there, right? Mm. Whereas we do a lot of that. Less than 4% of the people can program. Less than 10% of them have ever ran a technology project. So we have a, one of the things we've learned over the years is we felt we dealt with startups and then we were arguing with them afterwards, like, oh, why'd you build this? Why'd you build that? And we realized because they don't understand what, what we're doing and we're, we're really in a rush to get you started. And it's not perfect version one, and it's not supposed to be perfect, because if it was perfect, we'd have to charge you six or seven times as much of our time to make mm. it. So it's it's here to get you enough, to get you, you know, like... That's, yeah, that's really interesting. But So we have a couple of people try that in, in Sweden, and I'm thinking yeah. maybe the ecosystem is different, because you have the American companies coming in. Because one of, one of the things we come into is that, where do you get the cash? Some people still need to pay the rent. Yes. Someone needs maybe not a salary, but they need to Well, eat. you see, our view is very simple there are it's your job as a founder to figure that out and it's taken us years to be blunt about that to people and go well actually we're going to help you with a bit of the cost and we're going to help you with a bit of this and it's your job to do the rest like and a lot of the people that work for us haven't left their jobs yet because it might take five or six months to build out version one and we always say to people stay in your job do this work at night. People ask me when I talk about when I started my own company, I always say I started it at 6 p.m., which was for six months before anything. I started, I used to go home from work and I'd go upstairs to a bedroom and I worked until 1 a.m. And then I got up next morning and I went back to my own job. I love but, it. But you know something, that's better than any angel investment. It is. And, and the thing is that before this, uh, if I say in Sweden, the hype with startups before, when it wasn't really nice to be an entrepreneur and things, that's how we did it. Because the best thing was that you already had some kind of cash flow income and you did the rest on your weekends and evenings. But now people, you know, not all of them, but some people might, you know, play around because they get some cash or grants somewhere, but they're not doing what you're saying. And I just love that. Yeah, well, you see, like it's funny, a lot of the people, like we know that the most of the people we invest in are over the age of 30. And why is that? Because we look for expertise in their industry. Yeah. And you can't get that in your 20s, unfortunately, a lot of the time. And that's not that we're being ageist against them, it's just kind of the way it is. Like, we have an interesting stat as well in terms of women in investment, right? Which is, uh, we in, about 63% of the companies we invest in have at least one female founder. Really? Right? Now, yeah. yeah, now to be honest, we didn't know we were doing it, and we didn't know it until I was asked to speak at some women's conference. I was like, God, oh, we've loads of women founders. And I should really add up how many there are. And it turns out, roughly speaking, we've about a third men only, about a third women only, and a third are a bit of a mix. And we don't really care that you're a woman. <laughs> you know? You're not, we're not investing in you for any particular reason. It's just because you know your industry. And what a lot of it as well is because the people are over the age of 30, a lot of it is 
you know, what we're finding is a lot of women who are going, I'm on control of my life, I'm on control of my destiny, I'm going to run my own company. And I won't lie to you, women are just as big a pain in the arse to deal with as men are. So uh, when it comes to running <laughs> startups, there's just as many female Don Drapers out there as there yeah. are male. And uh, you, you just didn't see the difference. We just didn't notice, and it, it doesn't matter. But what's, what we've learned as we've went along, and we've made mistakes, because no one, every web development agency in the world has been asked at some stage, would you take a few yeah. shares in, turn, in return for a discount? Exactly. All we've done is go, can we scale that? And as the first people to have done it, we've made bundles of mistakes. Bundles and bundles. And actually, yeah. one of the things that we think our biggest mistake ever was, was, well, apart from getting ourselves financed properly, because there's been times where we've kind of gone, Jesus, we have so many of these bloody things, how do we keep up? Right? That's right. Uh, it was a challenge for us, so we had to bring in our own investment. And as we've grown, it's like, right, how do we deal with them? Another one is a dying startup is like a drowning person. They'll mm. claw at anything yeah. to try survive, right? That's and funny. and initially, we were hugging them, and you learn after a while, I believe you Punch, you might die. You punch them is the way you are supposed to do <laughs> yeah, it, or something. Or, you punch you know, them unconscious, yeah. and then you do say or, them. <laughs> I was, I, I was, I said that recently, and some guys. Actually, I'm a trained lifeguard. If somebody ever claws at you in water, you're supposed to let yourself sink. And I was like, "What?" And he says, "Yeah, did you know that? I did what? not know that. I didn't know that. If you're if you're no, saving you, no, somebody, I, I always punch. thought you punched them. But they, they're like, no, you don't punch them. You let yourself sink because they get petrified when they go under the water, so they'll let you go. Oh, <laughs> oh I was wow! Like, Good point. I, still, I still like your. I'm still punch, on your side here. Punch, punch well. them first, punch then sink. Right. Yeah. So what we do now is we've actually slowed down some of the development of tech because we. What we really want to achieve is we want startups to understand what they're buying and why they're buying it. Like it's funny after six months, six months after you leave our program, a lot of people are they've got their own teams and they're doing everything. And they're like, ah, Lucy, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I did that or why do I do this. A year, year and a half after they leave us, they all love us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now that developer who was my new developer who I loved is like, yeah. Now I've been managing fucking developers for a year. I, I get this is tricky or whatever, you know, and. Uh, yeah, they don't understand the problem. Yeah, but startups are, if startups were easy, yeah. we'd all be doing it and we'd but all be billionaires and we're not. Like, it's tricky no, and it's, it's hard. Tricky. You know? But it's but, like kids. They think they know everything. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a process. Yeah, and like we're, we're yeah. as bad ourselves. We're a business that is trying to scale and do something interesting and, and we ourselves have got a lot of stuff wrong. And then there are investors who knows everything too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, you know something, it's, everyone looks at the Dragon's Den. Do you call it the Dragon's Den or Shark? Yeah, yeah, we got the same. Yeah, it's yeah, terrible. Everyone, everyone, everyone wants to be that person, right? Yeah. And you were talking earlier about a community. It's amazing how many young people want to be VCs. We get a lot of job applications going, I want to be an investor, I want to come in, I want to do this. And we're always going, why? And a lot of it is because everybody loves to tell everybody else what to do. <laughs> I quite enjoy sitting here and yapping on about it myself, right? But realistically, there's a, there's a whole culture out there which is people who want to sit around and drink coffee and do yeah. all of that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. As long as you can afford it and it's not affecting your family, go do it, right? But we see we see some big incubators, accelerators in different countries, and we go, is anyone making any sales yeah. in there? You know, because you're all in the press and you've all yeah. raised money, right? And we call it the tech crunch generation, whereby everybody celebrates the company that raises the most capital. It's yeah. a problem, right? for sure. It's a huge problem. And all the only reason it's a problem is because it's just, it's an immature market. If you 
you look back to Stockholm 10 or 12 years ago, there wasn't as big a startup community, but there would have been people who loved technology and were interested oh, in yes. it and have been selling success. But now, anywhere I go, I see startup communities. And in fact, it's interesting, one of the side businesses I'm involved in at the moment is we are renovating a ferry terminal in Dunleary to create the largest co-working space um, in Ireland. So we're going to create a thousand-person R&D space and we're putting a lot of our startups into it. And uh, it's a big project now for us. And um, and that's that's more me rather than the Lucy Fund stuff that we're doing it with. But... Um, Blonde Capital is the kind of lead guys on it over there and I have to say these things they give out to me if I don't mention them and um, they, what's, what's fascinating is uh, there wasn't a lot of co-working in Ireland and yet I'm doing these tours of the US and Europe and I'm going look at that community space look at that community space and you could see them popping up everywhere and and you could just see WeWork was going to go really well and work well you know because there's a logic to it. You know? <laughs> and and I can see internationally what what I believe will happen is startup communities will mature because you've a lot of people hanging around the startup communities who don't do anything or don't sell anything and yet they're the guru in the area. And in the meantime, the clever people leave. So we tell all of our startups, you get to be a startup and in the startup community for six months. And then you have to leave that community and you must join the business community of whatever industry you're in. So when you're going to an event, Good point. nine months from now, we expect that event to not be a startup event. We don't want you at Slush. Like if we go, if I go and I meet my startups and they're at Slush, I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? It's the wrong Unless event. you have customers yeah. that are startups, don't go there. Because startups, when, when we talk about investments, right, and when we talk about banking and things like that, I'm selling a financial product to customer to my customers. My customers are startups, right? And I always stand up in front of people and say, "I'm selling you something." Do you understand that the VC is selling you a finance product? People think that they're like Mother Teresa; they're the they're your savior, giving you money. No, when you go into a bank manager and you get a mortgage for your house. Most people say thank you to the bank manager. No, the bank manager has just sold you something. He needs he to say, say, she thank, needs you to say to thank you to you because he's made commission or she's made commission. Do you get what I mean? So I think when we're selling products, so we go to people and we go, I've got two services for you. I've got technology or maybe sales and marketing and I've got a finance product that helps you pay for that. Now the way you pay me is you pay me in shares. And I always say to people, you've got to learn sales and what are you selling and what are you doing and what you see happen and I guarantee it's in Stockholm as well is you've got a bunch of super successful companies or people in companies you take the Spotify guys and guys and I'm sure they come and they talk at events and they do all the rest of it. But I guarantee you 95% of their work is not in the startup community. Yeah, and when they it's go there, the, they recruit to the good tech guys. That's the only reason women. they're there. Yeah, yeah that's, And that's why they're there. Yeah. You know? I think this is a great point because we I see a lot of startups doing this. They're getting caught up in a startup scene and they want to yes. be, be superstars. But even yeah, investors get sure. confused. I see a lot yeah. of angel investors. I had this discussion the other day and we talked about the, the illiquidity of the asset class we're in. Yes, and uh, and I said, well, listen, guys, you know, we we are in the in the business of buying and selling shares, and they go, what? Yeah, we just bought shares. We buy a lot of shares, but now we have a big stock somewhere, and now we need to sell them. Who do we need to sell them to? And they go, no, you don't understand. This is like my pet project. This is no, no. We are selling shares. Who yeah. are we selling them to? Exactly. And and that's actually a very interesting point. 
coming back to the uh, model, working with such young tech groups, where it's like one, how do they pay you? I mean, do you get the cash? We pay, it's a, we, we, we're, we do mixes of different ones. So we have ones where we just pay all the bill ourselves. We have a lot of them whereby it's we might do our, our most popular model is a one third, two thirds model because we give people a very low valuation because they're de-risking some of it with us. But we like it also because it makes us show that they can raise capital. Uh-huh. And it's funny, right? So a lot of the time it's a government grant or it's a support or it's you know their first angel investor. So a lot of the time people if we go, right, we'll do this with you, they go, Okay, I know someone who'll pay your your third and we go great because you know what we've done we've taught you or helped you or prodded you to go I'm going to ask somebody for money for this business and normally they're more worried about letting that person down than they are about letting us down oh so you have a good uh, dynamic going on there well we think it works well Mm -hmm. and it's funny because a lot of people go you're not really an investor and I go yes I am I'm paying the wages of these people that are helping you you know and 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 it's, it's it's a funny thing but it's it's it, people if if you take like there's a glass in front of me here on podcast so people don't see it right but if you take this glass it's much easier for the average person to sell a glass because the glass is made and you can touch it and you can feel it and you can go do it. I'm in the world of software. Right? It's terrible, and it's difficult. It's hard. And if you've never sold software before, the normal reaction is build more software. Oh, well, well look, I'll tell you what, we'll build this first and then you'll buy it. No, all right? You, what you do, like I got my start in software years ago because I was the guy they put up in front of accountants. We used to sell a lot of software to accountants. And this was back when it was desktop software and it was on a monitor and there was 10 modules to the system right and and there's only three working and the CTO would sit there for two days slapping me in the face going how many modules working and, <laughs> and what happens when they ask you to show you number four and I go oh here's a magic trick and we will not we won't talk about it because we were you'd had to get the deposits to pay for the other modules to That's be right. built. Right? Yeah. And, and if people wanted to see, now they knew module 7 to 10 onwards were not there yet, but you had to keep them distracted from 4 to 6 because that was not built. And we used to call it telling the truth in advance is what we used to say. right? <laughs> and uh, But back in the 90s, that was how software was Well, funded. still at some point. And in, and, yeah. and in good companies, it's I mean, how it's still Now funded. we have blueprints. We have like a roadmap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. right. And it's, it's critically important that people understand that actually software is not perfect. Like we've had software, we've had companies where we've built software for them and they come back afterwards and they'll give us a huge critique and go like, why'd you pick that tech? Why'd you pick this? Why'd you pick that? And we're going, because you were a young startup with no feckin' money and you needed to get the thing moving quickly. So we probably picked PHP because there's a framework there that's simple and loads of it comes out of the box. But you know something, by version three, you're throwing that tech out. And you're maybe restarting it in some other technology because that's what Facebook did, that's what Google did, that's what Microsoft that's did. Best practice. And you've got to understand that's how technology works. And if you've never built tech before and someone's saying, hang on, what about all the stuff I've built? Do I have to rebuild some of this stuff? Are you, are you kidding me? And we're like, yeah, that's <laughs> welcome to the annoying thing about software. It's not finished, it's not definite. And and it's the same with shares. I've seen some really good founders who we've worked with who could not sell a share for love nor money 
And you know what half it was? They were just going, oh, like, like, like it's not a thing yet. It's not a thing. I need to do this. I need to do that. And we're like, no, they're getting in at this stage because they understand you're at that stage and you're going to move to the next stage. And it's amazing how many companies we've involved in that have floundered and failed because they don't have appropriate capital. Like a good example of one of our companies recently is they really need to raise one to two million, this company, right? And the founder's kind of doing it all himself. And he's raised another 100,000. And I'm like, oh, that's the worst amount of money for you to raise. And that me as an investor in his company, I'd actually prefer if he got nothing and failed or if he got the couple of million quid he really needs. And the reason I say that is as an investor... And with other good investors in that business, I know that if he fails, we'll buy the damn thing off him and we'll do it properly. Yeah. Right? But getting a, a half a bit of money or a little bit of money, he buys himself three or four months. And during that three or four months, he's not going to do anything productive. He's just going to look for another 100,000 euros to, to, to do the next That's few months. Right. And really, he needs to stop <clears throat> fundraising and selling and doing this, or he needs to hire someone who can come in and do it. Do you know what I mean? And companies don't, like, he should be setting aside 30,000 of that. 100,000 and going, I'm just going to hire somebody who's going to get me the right amount of money. But then he's, he'll be thinking about that and go, but that's one less month of survival. Yeah, you know, that's it's, right. It's a, and, yeah. and they're having the right amount of capital. Like we, we in the past have struggled as a company because we didn't have that right amount of capital because we we're a private company and it was literally me doing it. And we brought in investors to help us and go, because actually we were going, what we really need and what we found the drags in our business were the companies that were going really well we were then kind of cash flowing them and giving them cash. We're going, yeah, keep it going, keep it going. And we're going, hang on, we're sucking into our own, we're breaking our business model rules because Jesus, that's a keeper. That's a good one. Or we were kind of helping slowly kill a startup that, you know, without ripping the poor dreams of the poor person who started the part. And you know what I mean? You're, now you're ripping the, you know, the band-aid much faster. Well, now you see, after you've been critiqued enough and we get critiqued quite a bit for this model, um, after a while you go ah look they're going to bitch about me anyway so what the fuck and uh, so I, and it's it's the way of the world you know well so. another thing I'm, I'm thinking Ronia is that you and I we see a lot of startups as well we don't invest in all of them but I'm thinking the the magnitude of what you guys are doing with all the investments you did and the lessons you're sharing here on this show it's uh, it's very enlightening I recognize a lot of them a couple of them are new to me so I'm learning a lot of stuff as well but I'm thinking that that just by having that quantity you're seeing some trends and patterns there I think a lot of people in this area probably miss absolutely when we started out I'll never forget so many of these things were there were there were modules or features of Facebook yeah. you know, now nobody even uses bloody Facebook but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you see different types of companies coming at you a lot you know marketplaces for the last few years the, the yeah. Uber for this the Uber for that or whatever it might be you know uh, you, you see definite trends we <laughs> We've had the same businesses pitched to us so many times, you know. Like I, I like it's funny. I actually went to I went to one startup event. Uh, there was a pitching contest as part of it in Spain one time, and there was ten companies pitching, and three of them were the same company. And I was like, "That's not fair." <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. Uh, it was because one of them was one after the other in the pitch, and I was like, "Oh come on, he's just going to pitch the same business, right?" So it's like see, idol when people sing the same song. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. <laughs> now, what's what's interesting though is you're looking at it and you're going, "There's definitely a problem there." You know, and some of the problems we've had sometimes is you see two or three companies coming at it from a different angle, and you go, 
am I going to do this? What am I going to do with it? Uh, you know, which one do you pick a lot of the time? Because you don't want to be, because we're hands-on, you don't yeah. really want to be under the hood of two companies. You know, VC could probably do some of that, but we couldn't kind of well, do Well, even as a VC, I think it's it's not really best practice. It's Yeah, yeah, it's um, just because we know their secrets. Yeah, you definitely well, you even know more, do. yeah. Yeah, so we see a lot of it, but it's funny, we spend a lot of time with startups going, brilliant core idea, very nice people, your business model is wrong. And no, you should try to do it this way or try to do it that way. And what's funny, and it's, it's an interesting thing for startups to consider, is your best advisors will probably just tell you what to do. All right? And they'll tell it to you in minutes. And you'll walk out of that meeting and not realize that person has affected my business. Like they've saved me months or years mm. of my time. And the person who's probably sitting with you for a year who's advising you as they go along, that person's probably, you know, they're not having the same impact a lot of the time, you know? And, you know, if you're inexperienced in running companies, you don't understand why that lawyer charged you 500 quid an hour. And it's because he can tell you in 30 minutes, here's what you're going to do. He can probably tell you in five minutes, here's what you're going to do. And you go and get on with it, you know? And there's a lot of expertise and advice. Like, it's interesting. You take, you go back to the NASDAQ First North, for example, you can't float in one of those companies without a brilliant CFO. Oh, you have now, to. How many tech startups have brilliant CFOs? The odds are none of them. What I want to know before we have to end this interview is why did you even start Lucy Fund? That's a good question. I ask myself that a lot of times as well. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? Um, Was it to get richer? Um, no, no. I mean, I won't lie to you. I like a bit of money. Um, like I, money is useful because you can do interesting things with money. You can go travel. You can see nice places. You can invest. There's nothing. Hang out with the Queen of England. Hang out. Meet the Queen. Do all that kind of stuff. Like it's interesting. One of our projects next year is um, we're going to we're going to sponsor the local basketball team, right? Because basketball should be much bigger in Ireland. It used to be big, and I'm going. I'm going to go and sponsor it. But I'm go- I'm actually going in. Going to give you cash, but actually. I'm going to change your show and they're like what I said oh no we're going in with the spotlights and the, the smoke and the you know the big oh NBA the real uh, yeah, yeah. drama and, and you know money gives you the chance to go do stuff like that you know if you take our ferry terminal in Dunleary in Dublin right two years that's taken now having the resources to be able to tolerate that for two years is is a tricky thing, but you get to do it, you know. Um, my latest thing I want to do is I'm I'm really keen to buy a forest at the moment. <laughs> the lads, I was telling the lads recently, my buddies, and they're like, "What?" And I was like, "I want to buy a forest." And what is a forest? A forest. A forest. A forest. A forest. A forest. Yeah. Yes, I want to buy a forest. I was, I was at a forest. Like, in what? Ireland or somewhere else? I, or? I think I start in Ireland, but I would like to get into a more of an eco investment. I like the idea of that something I've invested in is pumping a bit of oxygen. This out. is not just for mushroom picking. No. Getting your own spot. Yeah, no, just I just want to yeah, just want to go and build a forest. But no, I like I got into it kind of by accident. I got into it because I was interested in the startup community, and I went, you know, something we can go do that. And I have probably had in the four or five years we're doing. I think it's about five years we're doing it. The biggest learning curve for me as a, as a business person, uh, in terms of our business, in terms of me as a human, actually, how I interact with people. Because you know something, you start a business, and there's probably people listening, and they've had a business, and you know how many times do you hear about founders falling out or founders doing yeah. whatever? These are high stress environments, right? Now we're not 
the founder of these companies, it's the other person's the founder, but we're, we're behaving like one for a while and you actually end up arguing a lot. You know what I mean? Because yeah. there's people are stressed, they're putting their life savings on something and they're doing it. And, and we'd have an opinion on something, but our view is it's your company, so we're going to tell you what we think you should do and it's up to you whether you're going to do it or not. Now, by the way, you probably need to solve another 10 problems in that company, but you know, that's... That's your company and you got to go do it. And I actually, these days, when we start doing business with everyone, I sit them down for an hour and lecture them on, this is all on you and this is your problem Set and your thing. And we're a service provider and we're not, a, like, I, I like to describe it as in our business, we operate on 90%. Mm. Right? We don't achieve perfection because the companies we deal with can't afford perfect products so you're going to get a product that's 80-90% good and a lot, every other co- business you've ever heard talk about they want to tell you how brilliant their brand is and how they do everything perfect and we go you can't afford perfect so trying to deal with that like it's it's tricky you know and uh and and that's a it's a it's a hard learning thing because I I didn't realize because I'd been in software for maybe fifteen years before I started this and I'd had my own company for five years before I did it I probably didn't understand how inexperienced a lot of people are at, at running their own companies and um, and that's that's the bit that I really take from the startup community is there's a lot of people out there shouting a lot of things and the odds are that startup you see talked about in the paper a lot they're, they're probably just good at PR part of their business and your business might be much better but the real judge of your business is are you selling something or not are people buying and if they're not buying get out of it go do something else you know because there's always there's always some Gary V or somebody there who tells you to go harder do it a bit harder but actually maybe you shouldn't you know <laughs> so they're, they're, they're the challenges you know and there's no formula there's no magic recipe you could do everything right and have something fail you know so thank you so much for coming today Ian my pleasure yeah. you hopefully as an Irishman I wasn't yapping on too long <laughs> no, this, was, uh, this was great great having you here yeah, great, great meeting you thank you for sharing and enjoy your day my pleasure Bye. thank you very much thanks Tack för att du har lyssnat på Investpodden med Ronja och Ted. Glöm inte att följa våra sociala medier, Instagram, Facebook och Twitter. Och vi vill såklart höra ifrån dig. Så hör av dig till ronja.investpodden.se. Ha det bra, vi hörs. Hej! Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.